to Big Thinks, where we dream big and think bigger. You'll find only the biggest things here. I'm the host, Kathleen. And I'm the co-host, Sophia. Today, we will be talking about donating bodies and Frankenstein. What an intriguing topic. So, for our viewers at home, let's explain what it means to donate a body. Basically, it's kind of like donating organs, but for the whole body. Donated bodies are usually given to medical students to pull apart and study anatomy and practice surgeries and procedures on before trying them on live patients. Scientists also use donated bodies to study the progression of diseases and to analyze the effects of diseases, lifestyle choices, and medication on the body a lot further than what they can do with live people. Some really great discoveries have been made through dissecting human bodies, too. Definitely. It's how a lot of organs and organ systems were first discovered. The first accurate anatomy text, the Humanus, Corporis Fabrica was published in 1543. It was made possible by a dissection and analysis of human bodies. Also, the fields of pathology and histology were created through the study of anatomy and the corresponding effects that diseases would have on this anatomy. Without having a basic understanding of anatomy, a lot of diseases wouldn't have been discovered and treatment for those diseases would not have been developed. There are also some morally gray areas here, but we'll discuss those later. For now, let's introduce Frankenstein. So, Frankenstein, or the Modern Prometheus, was written by Mary Shelley, and it was published in 1818. And being that it was published before 1926, it was automatically placed in public domain on January 1st, 1926. It's considered to be one of the first science fiction novels. Cool! What's the plot? So, it starts out with letters that are written by a character called Robert to his sister while he is on an expedition in the Arctic. While he is on this expedition, he finds a random guy sitting out on the ice. They become friends, and when Robert mentions to the man that he is going to make a great discovery, no matter the cost to himself, the man gets upset and tells him that this is his original idea. He then decides to tell him his life story in order to dissuade him. So you find out that the guy's name is Victor Frankenstein. Ah, uh, Vic me boy. Yeah, Vic. So, he has an adopted younger sister named Elizabeth and two younger brothers named Ernest and William. He also has a childhood friend named Henry. Y'all grow up together, and when they grow up, Vic goes to college, but before he can leave, his mom gets sick and dies. When he goes to college, he learns about a whole bunch of stuff and starts getting interested in chemistry and biology. And that turns into an interest in decomposing bodies. While he is standing around in a charnel house, as one does, he comes across the secret of life. What is this secret of life you speak of? Well, in the book, Robert asks what it is, and Vic basically tells him that it was something man was never meant to know. And won't tell him. I guess it really would qualify as something man was never meant to know. Definitely, especially considering what happens afterwards. Anyways, Vic then decides to use the secret of life he found to bring something to life, and he decides to create a human being both added features. Hmm, good choice. Maybe. And after two years of stealing parts from graveyards and slaughterhouses and sticking it all together to create a body, Vic finishes and is ready to bring it to life. A whole Frankenstein's monster. Or Frank Jr. for short. Anyways, Vic is very proud of his work until he brings it to life and he realizes what a monstrosity it is. He runs away and goes to sleep. A valid reaction. He wakes up in the middle of the night to see the monster standing at the foot of his bed and he runs out of his house and stays up for the rest of the night in his backyard. In the morning, he then runs into town and into Henry. They walk back to Vic's house, and when Vic finds that the monster has gone away, he celebrates and has a mental breakdown that spans several months. Sometime later, after he recovers, he receives a letter from his dad telling him that his youngest brother, William, has been killed. When Vic makes it home, he sees the monster running around and realizes that Frank Jr. killed his brother. He also finds out that the housemaid slash nanny, Justine, has been accused of murdering William. 
She goes on trial, is found guilty, and is hanged. Vic falls into a deep depression, so he takes off into the mountains. After several long, gratuitous descriptions of the surrounding scenery, he runs into Frank Jr. They yell at each other, and then Frank Jr. decides to tell Vic his life story. It's a common theme. That it is. Monster details his, his riveting adventures and how he found and killed William, and then framed Justine for the murder. He concludes his tale of asking Vic for a girlfriend. Vic refuses at first, but agrees to when Frank Jr. threatens to kill all of humanity if he doesn't. Vic then heads home and then asks his dad if he can go and try to review her. And his dad allows him on the condition that he brings Henry with him. Henry and Vic travel together for a little while until they split up, and Vic then sets out and to create a girlfriend for Frank Jr. <gasps> while working on the body, however, he decides that it isn't worth it, and while Frank Jr. is watching him, he destroys the body. He, dis he disposes of it and then heads back into town where he is arrested for being suspicious. There, he finds out that Henry has been murdered and has a mental breakdown, which leads him to getting arrested and charged with murder. Some time passes and Vic's dad visits and gets him out of on bail so that he can go and marry Elizabeth. That's uh, kind of weird. Yeah, it is. So they go back home and Vic gets married and Elizabeth then is promptly killed that night by Frank Jr. Vic first goes to the police to get him tried for the court of law, but then he realizes that Frank Jr. is too superhuman to be caught, so he decides to chase him down himself. Vic chases Frank Jr. across the world and into the Arctic, which is where Robert finds him. With that, Vic concludes his tale. Some time passes, and Robert is forced to give up his expedition of the Great Discovery. When his crew plots to kill him if he does not agree to go back to England when the ice has tra that traps their ship has broken up. Vic then tells them that they should man up, but no one really listens to what he has to say. Vic dies one night, and later that evening, Robert finds Frank Jr. mourning the death of Vic. Such a tragic story. Yeah, anyways, Frank Jr. then announces how guilty he feels about all that he has done, how he has murdered Vic through the consequences of his actions. He then declares that he will kill himself and jumps out of a window. The end. Such a great ending. So, what are your big thinks about this book? I really think Vic should have started something small like frogs to bring to life and combine and all that. I also think he just should have gotten help. I mean, <laughs> that would have been great. And then Frank Jr. killed a lot of people and he was a creep. That being said, I think this is a lovely story about family bonding. Yeah, and like really productive, healthy family relationships about how you treat your son with like respect and dignity and yes. you give him a name definitely that's always important to give your son a name we so gave him a name so we gave him a name. he lives on in our hearts I we think. respect his identity that's right that he has one now he has one now he has one. in our hearts he has an identity i hope that makes him feel better it probably won't so let's talk about frankenstein and using bodies for science it reminds me about this book i read a couple years ago so what is it the Island of Dr. Moreau was written by H.G. Wells. It was published in 1896. H.G. Wells is considered a figurehead of the science fiction genre, with his writings providing a deep examination to the reality and future of humanity and society. And this book also entered public domain on January 1st, 1926. So that's pretty cool. So tell me more about this book. The Island of Dr. Moreau begins with our main character, Edward Prendick, shipwrecked and drifting across the ocean in the ship Lady Vane's launch. 
He is picked up by the ship of Pekakwanha. On the ship, he meets Montgomery and a man described as the three parts drunk captain. After some time, the captain decides that he wants to cleanse his ship of its infernal cargo, which refers to caged animals and um, Edward himself. And so Edward is returned from whence he came. Ashes to ashes and dingy to dingy. Eventually, Montgomery takes control of the ship and retrieves Edward in his small boat. From there, they arrive at the ship's destination, the island appearing to be uninhabited, save for Montgomery and his companion. Edward learns that the man Montgomery is with is Dr. Moreau, who allows Edward to stay with them for the time being. Edward recognizes the name Moreau from a pamphlet entitled The Moreau Horrors that was published by a journalist revealing the horrendous experiments that the physiologist Moreau had been conducting in his own home. Due to the revelations provided by the pamphlet, Moreau was chased out of England. On his first night in the Moreau residence, Edward is disturbed by the agonized wails being emitted from the other building on the premises and decides to walk around the island to learn about his surroundings. At this time, Edward has his first encounter with the Beast Folk. The Beast Folk? What are they? The Beast Folk, also referred to as the Beast People, and at the end of the book as the Beast Monsters, when Edward sees that there is no humanity remaining in them, are the experiments of Dr. Moreau to make men out of animals. Dr. Moreau has created the law for them to follow, which essentially tells them to act as humans, not to eat meat or walk on all fours, and other behaviors associated with animals. Some can talk, but rudimentarily. That's kind of weird. Yeah, a few nights later, Edward is once again roaming the island. It is this night that he learns of the law, which, as I said before, tells him not to act as animals, but it also forces the beast folk to fear Dr. Moreau as a deity of sorts. After encountering the law, Edward is approached by Montgomery and Dr. Moreau. Upon seeing they are armed and in fear that he will become Dr. Moreau's latest experiment, he runs away and is chased by a herd of beast folk into the ocean. Montgomery and Dr. Moreau convince Edward to return to the residence with them. Dr. Moreau explains to Edward that the purpose of his experiments is to perfect the art of surgery. And in explaining this, he reveals that he believes that empathy is a hindrance to science and that pain and pleasure are essentially sensations necessarily only to inferior organisms. Several days after this discussion, it is discovered that the leopard man has broken the law and in punishment of such actions, Moreau plans to return him to the house of pain, which he calls his laboratory to torture him. Edward sees the fear in the leopard man's eyes, which he perceives as the last remaining trace of humanity in this creature. So out of pity, he shoots and kills him. As the days go on, Edward meets many of the beast folk, slowly becoming accustomed to their appearances and behaviors. Then the puma, the subject of Dr. Moreau's latest experiment that had been going on throughout the duration of the book, breaks free from the compound. Dr. Moreau chases it. However, that leads to his and the puma's demise. Montgomery becomes forcibly aware of how he spent his life and is upset by how he's wasted 10 years on this island. In his anger, he burns the only two boats on the island. In his excessive drinking afterwards, Montgomery also dies. Now, along with the beast folk who are aware that now that Moreau is dead, the law no longer exists and are beginning to revert to their animal instincts. Edward befriends the dog man, a man who is combined with a St. Bernard. And now, the most important part of the book. What is it? It's the inspiration for the name of our podcast. The Monkey Man, also referred to as the Ape Man, coins the terms Big Things, which Edward describes as being names that meant nothing, and Little Things, which Edward describes as being the same everyday interests of life. You're right. That is pretty important. After all this, sadly, the Dog Man is killed by the Hyena Swine Man. So to avenge the poor creature, Edward shoots and kills the Hyena Swine Man. 
After this, a boat is stranded on the island. Edward takes the boat and paddles out to sea, where he's picked up by another ship. The people on board do not believe Edward's story, and not wanting everyone to think him mad, he tells no one else about his encounter on the island. Except upon returning to the mainland, Edward finds someone who knew Dr. Moreau and tells him of what happened. Finally reunited with mankind, Edward finds that he's unable to shake the fear that the humans around him aren't really humans and that they may revert to some bestial savagery at any minute. He decides to live alone, peacefully studying chemistry and astronomy. The end. Wow. So, what are your big thinks on the book? So, overall, it was kind of spooky and creepy. It also, like, really emphasized the point that humans are still animals no matter what. No matter what, like, preconceived notion they have of civilization or civility or any kind of thing. They're still animals at the end of the day, and they can still be, like, monstrous. Even if they don't look like monsters in appearance. That's exactly what I was thinking, because it's like, you know what, humans are animals, but the big thing is that animals can't be human. True. You could definitely argue that Dr. Moreau was the biggest monster out of all of them. And he was like the one that looked the least like a monster. So there's that too. Very true. And now back to our main topic, body donation. An important thing to keep in mind while talking about this topic is some of the ethical issues surrounding it. Yeah, definitely. There are a lot of gray areas around it, especially when talking about the past of dissecting bodies. In the past, people would steal bodies out of crypts and graveyards and either pull them apart themselves, or they would sell them to medical institutions for profit. There's also a lot of pressure, especially on poor families, to sell the bodies of their recently deceased loved ones to medical institutions in order to pay for medical expenses and to avoid pricey funerals. I think that we can agree that despite a lot of the great advancements that were made during this time, there was a lot of ethically questionable stuff going on to make those discoveries. That's for sure. But there are a lot of ethical dilemmas that still exist today. For example, unclaimed bodies can automatically be donated in some countries, which is morally dubious at the least. It also brings into account the question of consent and if donating a body without knowing prior to their death, if that person agreed to have in their body being donated, what count is going against that person's decision? Definitely does. Speaking about consent, another major ethical dilemma that exists nowadays is that there are some debates going on around asking terminally ill patients if they want to donate their bodies, especially if they're considering euthanization. Yeah, some people are worried that asking this sort of question may influence that person's decision in euthanization. And there are some questions on the level of informed consent surrounding this issue. There's also the problem that asking someone to donate their body when they have a particularly rare condition may somewhat pressure them into saying yes. Now, to connect this back to the books we discussed, you can definitely see where both of these books abuse these ethics. Yeah, in Frankenstein, Vic steals body parts in order to create the body he brings back to life. In the island of Dr. Moreau, he didn't ask his human victims for any consent. That's for sure. So now that we've gone over everything, it's time to wrap everything up. To conclude, let's go over everything we have talked about today. Well, to start, we talked about body donation and what that's about. Then we talked about Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus, written by Mary Shelley. After that, we talked about The Island of Dr. Moreau, written by H.G. Wells. Then we talked about some of the ethical problems behind body donation in the past and in the present. Now, let's talk about the best path forward to solve some of these ethical issues. To start off, while there aren't any easy answers, there are ways to better improve the laws surrounding it. In conclusion, I think the best way to reduce the unethical practices surrounding body donation would be to update the legislation surrounding it to be more specific. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that it would also be good to change the laws surrounding unclaimed bodies as well. There isn't an easy answer to what you should do to, in order to solve this problem, but the laws do need to be updated. Definitely. More care needs to be taken around that as well. So, in conclusion, while body donation has many benefits to medical science, it has so in the past, there needs to be more care taken around the ethics surrounding consent. So, that's all the big things we have for today, and we'll see you next time on... Big thanks. thanks.